millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, welcome along to the latest edition of the Lord's Podcast and the first one of 2014. We have an interview with MCC President Mike Gatting on Sachin Tendulkar. This, as the Little Master, is set to return to Lord's in the MCC Rest of the World match this summer. Middlesex bowler Toby Rodden-Jones previews the county season. I test out my co-host's cricketing knowledge with a quiz. And we have a female theme to the podcast as we celebrate the England women's Ashes success down under. As well as all this, we take a look at a special year here as MCC celebrates the bicentenary of this great old ground and discuss England in the post-KP era. Well, we're perched up in the JP Morgan Media Centre in the TMS commentary box. And it's my great pleasure to welcome my guests for this month's podcast. We have a freelance cricket journalist who writes for publications such as Spin Magazine, The Sunday People and MSN Sport. And for those of you who know the Twitter sphere very well, will know her very well as Legside Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie Ammon, welcome. How are you? Hi, well, how are you? I'm very well, thank good, you. Good. good stuff. I'm also delighted to welcome our other co-host this month, a former MCC young cricketer, double World Cup winner, the 2013 ICC 2020 Women's Player of the Year, She's played 88 one-day internationals for England and most recently helped retain the Ashes Down Under. Sarah Taylor. Hello. How's it going? Good, thank you. It's freezing. That's freezing. <laughs> Absolutely freezing. How have things been since you got back off that plane? Um, not as stressful as it was out in Oz. Um, just nice, bit of time just to relax, I think. A little bit of time with the niece, which is always good. Um, and just, yeah, just calm. it's just calming down, literally, just calming down. And you're back, back in Sussex, I believe. Yep, so I spent a week, well not even that, maybe five days back at home, um, seeing my family back down in Seaford in Sussex, and then arrived in, Lund- in Loughborough yesterday, I think it was, and then, and then here. Fantastic. And Lizzie, um, one of the success stories of the winter was the women's team. How was it to follow that? Uh, it was great, actually. I mean, obviously, more middle of the night, but yeah, it was great. It was a really fantastic achievement. Um, I think um, uh, it was it was really well supported actually from what I could I could um, ascertain from here in Blighty. I mean, it, lots of people staying up really late um, to, to watch it either on the stream or on the television or, or, or listen to the radio, um, and really exciting. I think it was really buoyed by the fact that England won the Test match, and that really uh, I mean that's a lot of points and yeah. that's a really massive boost to the start of a campaign. Um, 
it looked a really exciting uh, series to me. I mean, it's they're two closely fought teams, closely matched teams. I think. Yeah. Ten um, eight was the final yeah, result. Yeah, so and, and you know that makes it really exciting. I think it's a, the new format is a stroke of genius by Claire Connor. I think it just makes it so accessible for people who don't normally follow the women's game. It, it makes it really, uh, really exciting right throughout. What was it like at that moment where Charlotte Edwards hit those winning runs? You were at the other end, running towards her. Yeah. Um, emotional, probably one of those memories that will stick with me for the rest of my life. I think she was crying with a few runs to go, <laughs> um, <laughs> had to calm her down first. Um, but I just, I don't know, just, I think I didn't even look to see where the ball had gone. I just started running and then turned around. I think she had her hands in the air, saw everyone running at us. And yeah, just one of those, one of those things. And just, I think I looked up on the board and it said, England have retained the ashes. And I thought, right, we've done it. Um, and then you can start and relax, and then you get a bit emotional about it. Absolutely. Did you save your tears to after the game, not out in the middle? Um, I didn't. <laughs> have to be yeah, yeah, well done, lot. Yeah, no, I didn't actually cry, but I did have a moment with Lottie in the changing rooms where we just looked at each other, and you just know exactly what each other's thinking. You think we did it. Like it was a struggle after the two losses. We were like, right, well, we've we've got to win the next one. The momentum was with them, and we were like, there's no way we're going back, and it'd be ten eight to them. So. Yeah, it was just so nice to finally do it. And it's quite, your squad was, you were losing players by the minute, it seemed, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think you had the only 11 out there were the only fit players, is that correct? Well, yeah, I mean, it got to that point that we, we were struggling and then I think with the World T20 in mind, once we'd won, I think you do, you think, right, okay, let's rest players, let's not risk it. Um, so, yeah, but obviously the players that came in did brilliantly, but, yeah, it was, it was touch and go for a minute. I think that was what was really impressed me, that uh, even though you were missing senior players through injury, and the, the, the young and experienced players came in and really stepped up. It's, it's really encouraging for the future, which has a real sort of strength in depth of the, of the squad. You know, Kate Cross had a brilliant debut in that survivor. They, you know, they really stepped up. It was really impressive. Yeah, especially in the Ashes series as well. I think it's not, it doesn't get much tougher than that. And Australia, like, it's, like you said, we were so evenly matched, yeah. the two sides, that actually you have to perform at your best. And you're slightly off the mark with the ball or just one full shot and you know it's, it's just it's gone but yeah I think they did absolutely brilliantly fantastic and um, as part of the podcast we we have a, a little Twitter type question that we run and uh, this time it's been called hashtag ask Sarah so I'd just like to fire a few quick fire questions at you that have come in from people that listen to the podcast and would like to know a little bit more about you Lizzie please feel free to butt in at any point yeah come on um, you answer these questions this one from Jason Hudson what do you have to work on more, batting or keeping? Um, I actually work on my keeping more than I do my batting. Um, I think batting for me is, I feel like they're both quite natural, I guess, but um, I think keeping, just refining those small things um, in keeping, um, no, that's pretty much what I do. I've got a follow-up question to that then, and I think you've sort of answered it. Do you see yourself as a keeper, batter, or a batter, keeper? Or do you not... Oh god, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I think probably a batter keeper, to be honest. Um, so I should probably work on my batting a bit more. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, probably a batter keeper. Uh, ideally, I'd yeah score runs. I guess I'd rather score runs. Great. So this one comes from a chap called Dean. Um, how can women's cricket close the gap to men's cricket? He then adds attendance, etc. Oh, it's, it's a really tricky one. I oh. think things are g going in the right direction, and it, I mean, it's never going to happen overnight. Um, and I think things are slowly getting really improving. I think it really helps having double headers. I think that really helps. 
Um, I think uh, help from the host broadcasters really helps as well. I think social media is starting to make a real difference because people are really talking about it, and I noticed that during the winter. People are genuinely talking about the women's game, and I think uh, if you stop people in the street and ask them to name a women's cricketer, I think they'd be able to. Uh, and that's a real change. Yeah. I think you look at. I think we had a game at Chelmsford in the summer that was. Yeah. It wasn't even before a men's game. No, it no, was, it was a complete out, yeah. yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you would have got that two years ago, maybe even a year ago. Um, but I think like that change in format as well, the the series, mm. how we do it. Um, I think that attracts more, um, because there is x amount of points on on the game, so it does make it that mo much more exciting. So, like you say, I think it is going in the right direction. I just think we just need to keep going. I think so, and I think um, I think all the things that are being done to increase participation in girls will will also help going forward. It's it's a long term strategy. It's never going to be be a real a quick a quick answer. I think the next thing we need to do is try and increase um, coverage of the women's county game um, because I think that's a really important part of the whole Team England setup. Really, it's, it's, it's the feeder, isn't it? It's important. Lovely. We've got a question in a moment on your county Sussex, so we'll come on to that in a second. Uh, next question on hashtag Ask Sarah. This comes from Sarah Code, who's from Hertfordshire but currently lives in Melbourne. Do you have any advice for girls looking to get into professional cricket in the future? Um, I think, well, I worked extremely hard from probably the ages of 13 to 17, I reckon. Um, I think that's a really crucial time within a girl's kind of, well, early career, I guess, in cricket. And I think they work really really hard in that in that period to try and get as as many games as they can I personally went down the the boys route the, the boys cricket route um, I think that's a decent route obviously pace of bowlers um, pitches you play on I think it's brilliant um, but no I just think that you've just got to keep going I think a lot of our girls um, I think Kate Cross is a really good example and she I think was dropped from the academy quite I think maybe last year or the year before and she kept going kept going kept going and I've never seen a spell of bowling like that in a test match before. So, yeah, I just say never give up. Well, I don't think um, I can say much more than that in terms of if you want it, I think you go for it. Fantastic. Uh, next question comes from Padamesh uh, Krotja. I'm not sure I pronounced the surname correctly. Apologies if I didn't. Um, do you see in the coming years any women being able to bowl at 130 kilometres an hour, which is about 80 miles an hour? 80 miles an hour. What's the quickest now? Is it 76? Yeah, I, think I, I guess that's what Catherine is about. When, when she was... Catherine when Fitzpatrick. She was, when she was working. Walking, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think 76... Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to be realistic and say there could be someone that arrives and they're about six foot something that just fires it down. I think there's every chance. Girls are getting stronger, fitter um, and quicker. So they weren't... I think there was actually Catherine Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick a few years back mm -hmm. played for Australia. She was she was up there in the high seventies. So yeah. yeah, no doubt in my mind someone will come along. Lovely. And just to finish off, Jamie Ramage says, "Are you looking forward to captaining Sussex?" Yes, I am. I never thought I would, <laughs> uh, but Holly's luckily given me the chance. Um, but yeah, I am. I think we've got a good bunch of youngsters that are coming through that maybe future England players, and I just, it would be nice to be a part of. I don't know, helping Sussex to. Well, we won last year, that was good, but some more titles and just helping the youngsters any way I can. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Great stuff. Right, moving on now. We're going from the, the success of the women to um, England in the kind of post-KP era. Um, Sarah, I appreciate you probably can't comment on much of this. <laughs> no comment. As a, um, 
as a as a employee of the ECB. But Lizzie, you certainly can. Um, the Women's Ashes was a great success. It's fantastic. It's been watched by a lot of people back here. In fact, my mum, before I recorded this podcast, said, why don't you get some women on? At least they're doing well. <laughs> so it's definitely going to a wider audience. But we've got to talk a little bit about the men and Kevin Peterson is gone now. That's happened. Doesn't look like that's changing. Um, but we've got Test Match Summer coming up. Yeah. And... Um, um, I, I, we can't put any positive spin on it. It was a horror tour. I mean, it was um, it, it was really quite <laughs> quite depressing. Yeah. Um, but I guess sometimes that is what happens. You come to the end of an era. It's sort of um, all sorts of things happen all at the same time. People come to the end of their careers, and other things happen. And yeah, there's a real opportunity now um, for England. It's not. I don't think it's going to be an overnight fix. There's going to be a difficult. I think it's going to be a difficult summer. There's no doubt about that. But not least because we don't know. There were four or five, six maybe spots up for grabs. Absolutely. Um, and there's a bit of experimenting to be done. And uh, Alistair Cook now has to, and as the ECB have, you know, clearly put their faith in him, and he's the man to drive things forward. There's a new director of cricket to be appointed, whoever that might be. My money's on Moors if you're a gambling type. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, and that will be interesting to see how they forge ahead how they forge ahead in that, in, in that way. Um, India are, I mean, they've just been beaten by New Zealand, so they're beatable. Yeah. I mean, they're not, um, they're, they're, they're a different India to the one that were here in 2011, you know, who we comprehensively beat. They're much fitter, they're, they're, they're an impressive outfit now, and Duncan Fletcher's done some fantastic stuff, but they're beatable uh, away from home. And, uh, and so um, it will be a, it'll be an interesting summer to see, you know, there are lots of questions. There's a particularly concern about the spin bowling department I mean replacing Swan is it's just going to be really difficult players like Graham Swan don't come around very often Australia have still not replaced Warren you know they've got Nathan Lyon they've got other people but they haven't it's difficult do you think that's sometimes an issue though with um, supporters is you know Australia haven't replaced Warren but he's almost irreplaceable and maybe you should think okay we don't need a new Warren we need something else yeah, and absolutely. maybe Graham Swan is similar for England he's He's, he is almost irreplaceable. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think we have to give some leeway to young spinners. Spinning's, the art of spinning's really, really hard. Um, and they get better as they get older. I mean, we saw with Swan, his first bell for England, he was dropped and then yeah. came back later in his career much better. Um, and I think we're going to have to be patient we're gonna, whoever, with whoever it is. Is it Kerrigan, Borthwick, Bruce, whoever it is. Um, uh, we're going to have to be patient with them because, you know, there will be spells where they get it wrong because that's what young spinners do absolutely and talking with some of the other players that are now kind of in the mix as the new the fresh England we've got people like Ben Stokes Gary Balance Moen Ali's been picked in the, the beard that everyone fears in the T20 <laughs> squad <laughs> I mean Moen's a he's a he's a fantastically exciting player he's a really I mean he's a really classical batsman actually he's not I mean I'm I hope that in the world T20 they use him properly He's not really the type of batsman you would bring in at number seven to try and be a blaster like Joss Butler. He's better off further up playing his classic shots. And he's a very elegant batsman. His, his off-spin is, uh, I guess, adequate. That's perhaps being a bit harsh. No, it, I mean, it's fine, but it, he's got some work to do on it. Um, but he's definitely a, a, an exciting prospect. Um, the other names, Sam Robson here at Middlesex. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is, there is an open slot up for grabs. Um, Carberry didn't totally nail down a place. 
Um, do you think Compton was hard done by? I, I mean, do. <laughs> going back to that, it's a, it's a kind of old old discussion now, but actually it's, it's quite fresh in our minds now that Carberry ultimately probably did fail slightly. Uh, I think he was. I mean, I, you know, the guy got two test match centuries. It's, it's quite harsh. I guess... Um, uh, I guess they were looking for something a bit different to partner Cook when you'd got Trot at three. And, I mean, these were in the days when you had Trot at three, KP at four, you got Bell at five. They wanted something different. I don't know now, maybe that Compton's exactly the type of person we do need at the top of the order with everything else being up in the air. And the, the World T20 is about to happen now out in Bangladesh. Mm. Um, I read one of your articles on that. It's going to be You don't tough. give them much chance. <laughs> uh, neither I nor the bookies do. <laughs> um, it's going to be tough. I think they know that it's going to be tough because they have not been... Poor, I mean, poor Ashley Dallas has not really been able to pick his first team at any point in his tenure other than the Champions Trophy because of the necessary rest and rotation. He's not been able to, to work out what his best 11 is... And they had a bit of a torrid time in Australia. Uh, I mean, Jay Denbeck had a horrible time in Australia. I think the Bangladesh pitches will suit Jade a bit better, actually. Um, but the, yeah, there's some there's some holes in that squad. And when you compare it to New Zealand and Australia and India, who have announced that, although their bowling attack looks quite light, they've announced it today. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard. But it's T20, you know. It's it, it's 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 up for grabs, but. There are new players, and a World Cup environment is a very tough place to start your international career. Talking about World Cup environment, we can bring you back in now, Sarah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the ladies are also going out to Bangladesh um, for the well, the World Cup T20 in, in March, I believe. Yeah. Looking forward to it? Yeah, I mean, it's a quick turnaround, don't get me wrong, we're still recovering, but um, yeah, no, as a squad, we've been told not to pick up a bat until a certain date, and just so we've got ad- adequate request um, rest time for for this tour so but yeah very much looking forward to it Bangladesh never been there before um, so I've no idea what it's going to be like but um, probably be interesting but um, yeah I think there's um, a couple of new youngsters in the squad as well that I think will suit conditions out there so it's an exciting time I think we've got youngsters as well that um, that are coming through that have got you know with a couple of injuries that we've got um, you never know do you so hopefully yeah hopefully we'll go well out there and you're keen to win that trophy back from Australia because you surrendered it to yeah. them, so it's... Yeah, we are. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I think after the summer and the tour just gone, I think it would be quite nice and quite fitting if, if we could win it back. I think that was probably one of the hardest finals that we've ever had to go through. Um, but, yeah, we don't particularly want to see that happen again. History and Cricket with the Lords podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, it's Lords Cricket Ground's bicentenary this year. Sachin Dendulkar will return here to captain MCC in the MCC Rest of the World match, while Aussie legend Shane Warne will skipper the rest of the world side. I spoke to MCC president Mike Gatting, who says he's over the moon that Tendulkar is involved. Well, look, we had him uh, for his, uh, if you like, his retirement uh, dinner here uh, not so long ago, and um, he still amazes me how humble he is and how much that he appreciates what the game needs. They need an icon like himself to help people who aren't as well off as him and he sort of intimated he wanted to do things to help improve things in his own country uh, and really that's magnificent so to actually have a man who's been as great as he has been and you know great's a word that you don't often use um, to have him back and playing uh, perhaps his, maybe his last sort of competitive game as such is, a, is an absolute honour for MCC 
that he has agreed to play. So I'm over the moon that uh, he's, he's felt that it was, uh, um, he was able to do that. I'm sure he won't let himself down, and I'm sure that when he captains the team, he will, he will do so with uh, the great humour and, um, and humility that he has. And I'm sure we're, uh, we're going to see a great game of cricket. Mike Gatting on Sachin Tendulkar there. Well, are we excited for that match? Oh, I think it'll be amazing. It'll be fantastic. Incredible atmosphere. There's a few more names that I can announce right now on the podcast. <gasps> Breaking news. Breaking news. So we've got Yuvraj Singh, Verinda Sewag, Shivnarayan Chandrapal, and Paul Collingwood are all confirmed oh, to play in that game. Brilliant. And we'll be announcing more as the month goes on. So, yeah, so that's the MCCV Rest of the World game to celebrate the, well, the bicentenary 200 years here at Lord's Cricket Ground. So, um, it's not often that you get this kind of match in modern sport, really, is it? No, not at all, actually. It seems to have captured the imagination of the world. Actually, I mean, the Indians were going bonkers when you announced it. Uh, it's, um, it's fantastic, it's, you know, and, I, and I suspect an honour for them as well. You know, I, I suspect they really do see it as an honour. This is Lords, you know, there's nowhere like it. It's so nice because, obviously, with the international schedules now, they, they're not in the same place at the same time. So, actually, when you know, people do retire and come and play, like you've never seen them play before, to actually go, oh, I've missed my chance, and then actually go, no, do you know what? I actually haven't. I can come to Lords and watch um, at one of the, well, the best ground in the world and come and watch them play with some fabulous names as well. Yeah, that would just be ideal. What's it like for you when you play at Lords? What's, what's, do you have a routine, or is it like, I guess it's like any other game, but. Um, yeah, I, get, I mean, you've got to try and actually get out of your head that it is Lords because, you know, every game um, you try and approach it the same way. But you've got to leave an hour just to leave the changing rooms. Um, just <laughs> get to, to get the to the stairs. Um, but actually in the summer, I, we've never had anything like it where we actually walk back through and there were so many people in the long room clapping us. We've never had that before, ever. Um, so, uh, you know, if we could have that again, that would be brilliant. But no, I think it's just one of those special moments where you just get goosebumps as you walk through the long room and, and stuff like that. So got to get used to the slight slope as well. Um, <laughs> Just a small slope, it looks huge from here. Um, but yeah, no, the, you, you've got to try and approach it it's exactly the same sort of way, but it, it just, it's just that much. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And Lizzie is a journalist coming to Lords. Well, there's nowhere. I mean, there's, there's nowhere like Lords. Uh, it's um, uh, the, the first morning of the test summer is, the anticipation is just, uh, is palpable really. It's, it's incredible. And uh, there, yeah, there's nowhere quite like nowhere quite like Lords. I mean, everywhere has its own unique atmosphere, and lots of different things happen. And at Headingley, you have the Western Bank rap rabble, and you know, Western Terrace, <laughs> Western Terrace. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and at Oval, you have beer snakes and, and all sorts of things. But yeah, it's it's very special. Well, tickets are still available for the first day of the Sri Lanka Test this summer, which is the first day of the English cricketing summer. So thanks for. Let, letting plug. me do that little <laughs> plug there. So yeah, phase one and four, please uh, please buy tickets. They're available on the Lord's website, on the ticket website in particular. 
Um, as I was just mentioning a moment ago, it is the, it's the bicentenary of the ground, so it's been here 200 years now. Um, there's plenty going on around the ground this year to celebrate that. We've launched a new 3D interactive timeline of Lord's Ground, which charts the development of Lord's since 1814. Uh, just go to lords.org and have a look at that. It's in the bicentenary section. Have either of you got the chance yet? No, I didn't even know it existed. I'm going to actually have to do that. I'd be quite interested. You should do it. It is actually fantastic. You Basically, you click on it and it revolves round and then the, the stands kind of pop and up they and appear. appear. Yeah, and you can click on them. And yeah, so it starts with the two duck ponds in 1814. It comes up and yeah, you can click on them. And then below it's got like a history timeline going along as well. So it's like in this year, so-and-so did this. So you can chart it against like the history of the world, as it were, as it as it builds up, it's fantastic. There's some very cool stuff on the Lord's website, actually. The stuff with the Lord's stuff, the Stephen Fry Lord's stuff, is really, it's really worth a watch. Middlesex County Cricket Club at Lord's since 1877. It's also the 150th anniversary of Middlesex County Cricket Club this year. Following a fifth-place finish in the county championship last year, the Panthers would dearly love to win their first title since 1993. I caught up with Middlesex bowler Toby Rowland jones and asked him if he believes they can win the title. We certainly do. I mean, we, we have played well in the last few years, but I think we've also been disappointed with the way that, you know, the seasons have finished and we certainly felt like we could have and probably should have maintained sort of a challenge sort of right till the end. So it'll be, it'll be nice, you know, if we can start as we have done, you know, in the past few years, you know, we, we sort of have got a strong attack and you know, certainly batsmen who can who can really make it tough for bowlers. So we feel like we've got everything in place. So, you know, it's a case of us just maintaining that maybe a little bit longer and, and who knows where we'll be. This year, there are changes also to the format of the limited overs game. We now have the Royal London 50 overs competition replacing the YB40. I asked Roland Jones about the new format. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound much on paper, but actually, you know, as far as the game goes and the structure of you know, the way innings are, innings are put together is, is, you know, a big difference. So certainly it's something we're going to have to think about and, you know, the way you utilise certain power players perhaps. And certainly maybe as a bowler like myself who, who you know, looks to hit a hard length, it might even suit, suit myself, you know, a little bit more uh, with batsmen maybe having a little bit less, less impetus at the top of the innings. But, yeah, I mean, look, everyone's in the same boat. We've all got to adjust. So, you know, as long as we, we sort of put the right plans in place, you know, we've got as good a chance as any. Roland Jones there talking about the new county season. Lizzie, you're a big Middlesex fan. Yes, I'm utterly impartial though as a journalist. <laughs> how are you feeling about it? Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how the new schedules work out. I think it's great that we've finally got some, some clarity in the schedules. After so many years of it looking like Spaghetti Junction, we've got clear days for Championship cricket. We've got Friday evening T20. We've got a block for the new 50 over. I think it'll be fascinating to see how it works. Um, I think for Middlesex, they've been boosted by um, uh, Owen Morgan pulling out of the IPL auction and he'll be available at the beginning of the season for Middlesex. If they can get Finn fit and firing again, you know, that's really important for them. I mean, Middlesex have struggled in the last couple of years with that middle order. They're prone to that collapse. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel that they're going to, except for Morgan, because the thing with Morgan is he might end up playing a bit more for England now. <laughs> so it's Exactly. He may, we may only see him at the beginning of the season, but... Um, well, it's something that they need to sort out. Now, Neil Dexter has stood, uh, has stood down at his one-day captaincy role um, to concentrate more on his batting, so he will be able to do that, and that, that should help. Um, I think Middlesex are fall away towards the end of the season, and that's one of the things that they'll need to, to, try, and, to try and sort out this year, is they need to stay the same throughout the season. Chris Rogers has had a fantastic winter, yeah. and um, 
you know, and uh, he's a re- he's exactly the sort of overseas player you want. Sarah, I noticed you nodding sagely when Roland Jones was discussing the, the move to the 50 overs competition and how it might actually benefit the bowlers a little bit because the batsmen won't come out quite as quite as strong early on. Do you look, agree? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, uh, I think it depends. I think what sort of team you've got because I think if you've got um, quite a few aggressive players, it's actually quite nice to take advantage of that power play up front and and use the field as was it two out I think in the first ten. So um, yeah, I'd probably look at it slightly differently. But I think um, like Lizzie said, I think Chris Rogers is a brilliant player, and they've got they've got I think they've got people um, to do a job for them. But yeah, I think the fifty over stuff be a little nicer on the bowlers. Um, but as a batsman, I think it's uh, I quite like the idea of it being slightly longer. And your your county Sussex, how do you think they're going to fare this 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 time out? Are they going to win everything? Um, no, I'm to be honest, uh, haven't really spoken too much of them to be fair. But no, I think I think Chris Jordan's brilliant, but I think he'll be all right. Think, yeah, I think I think he'll he'll probably be missing for um, for for a chunk of it. I mean, you know, there's some fantastic talent down the Sussex, yeah. isn't there? Who's Luke Wells and Ed Joyce, and you know, there's a real core of of really talented players and, and Mark Robinson's you know one of the best coaches in the circuit so they'll be fine yeah, I think they'll be fine and overall for the county championship if you were going to put some pennies on it oh, where, where's your money sure I get it wrong I, I mean I got it spectacularly wrong last year I said that Durham would get relegated so what do I know <laughs> <laughs> no comments yeah. um, uh, I mean Warwickshire always looks strong Warwickshire always looks strong um, Surrey always look strong and they never aren't but they're in division two Not, I thought I'd just get that in as a Middlesex fan <laughs> and uh, um, yeah Warwickshire, Warwickshire looks strong Durham I think will will have some more difficulties this year because I think they'll be without Stokes for the majority they'll probably be without Onions because I suspect he will be in test squads um, so and then they don't have an overseas player they've got budget problems so you know that I, it's difficult really difficult to call but I think I, I'm, uh, I think Middlesex will be there or thereabouts. Yeah, it's just it's getting just getting, on, over, the, just it? getting yeah. over the line. Yeah. It's like they, they, as you say, as you mentioned earlier, they do sort of fall away. Fall away at the end of the season, and it's been twenty-one years, and I've had enough. Come on, And it would be, you know, in the hundred and fiftieth year, really fairy tale stuff, lovely, isn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Well, um, Sarah, I'd just like to ask you a little bit further about Sussex. Last season, there was talk of you, um, maybe playing in the men's second 11. Um, what happened around all that? Can you put it on the record for yeah, us? Yeah, that blew up, didn't it? Um, <laughs> it was purely they had... I think they were running out of keepers, I think. Um, obviously, Pryor goes off, um, and then you have Ben Brown. Um, and I think Holly went to Yorkshire. I think they basically just lost a few keepers, and then a couple were doing exams. Um, so they purely said, do you, there was a, an option to maybe play for them, but just keep, literally purely keep. Um, in like a four day game and I think I would be an absolute moron to, to turn it down so um, they said would you like to if the opportunity came around and I said yes um, and that was pretty much it like there was nothing more to it but the, the opportunity never came about but um, look if it, if it happened um, it would be brilliant but it was purely on a keeping basis not not the batting but um, yeah if it, if it came about then yeah so I'd say yes and a lot of female players, I was chatting to Danny Wyatt last year and she said that she always goes back to play men's club cricket in her spare time just to sort of strengthen her game as she sees it. So this idea of sort of men and women playing cricket together, it's not it's completely it's not alien, is it? It's no, not, it's not just at all. maybe not at that level 
so far? Yeah, I mean, I think I play at um, I play at Warmley up in Birmingham, and they've just recently signed um, a keeper of Warmley. So uh, yeah, so he's now being signed by Warwickshire. So it means plenty more keeping for me, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, the, they I think Warmley's pretty good in terms of they've always grown up playing along with men and girls at the, at the same time. So uh, it's nothing new to them. Um, but I think the more that people realise, you know, girls can join in and, and just Aaron be treated. Yeah, she's captain as well. Yeah, so Aaron, um, Aaron Brindle obviously plays men's cricket. Danny Hazel plays uh, men's cricket. Um, we play all charity games along with men and nobody sees us as women, they just see us as cricketers. So I think, you know, if people approach us like that, we're purely like as just a skills-based cricketer, then, you know, I think it should be good. And before we finish off with our new bicentenary quiz um, I'd just like to ask where do you sort of see the state of the women's game as we sit here now because you mentioned earlier in the podcast in the last two years it's developed so far I guess the sky's the limit really yeah it is I think now's a time I think with the success that we've had to really push on I think the World T20 will be important I think we do want to win that and really like just you know showcase to the world that you know obviously we're winning stuff but actually you know the game's moving forward and we, we just want to bring more and more people into watching the game and obviously participating into the game. But like you said, the, the sky's the limit at the minute. I think the game is moving... I think I started, what, eight years ago? Oh, eight, eight years ago, fuck eight, eight years ago, and it's ten times better than what it was then. And, yeah, like you say, two years ago. So in a year's time, it could be completely anywhere. So I think, yeah, I think with the success that we've had, I think the game's only going to keep going forward. And did the England men's team and the England women's team ever sort of meet up to chat tactics or discuss techniques, that kind of stuff? Um, no, I think we're more on a friends basis and stuff. You have a few texts, um, you know, when you win. And Price really good for me. I ask him for advice sometimes. I asked him about slips and distance between me and, and first slip, um, just for the test match um, out in Oz. So yeah, you do you do get advice from them, and they're brilliant as well, and they support us as well. So it's good. Fantastic. Right, well, as I promised, uh, to finish off, um, as it is... Is this where you make us look idiots? You won't look like idiots. It's the, um, it's the first Lord's podcast quiz. Um, it's to celebrate the, the bicentenary of the ground. We're doing lots of jazzy things this year around that, so I thought I'd do us a quick little quiz. Um, pretty simple, really. We've got five cricketers, past and present, right. and we go up against five celebrities, past and present, <laughs> and all you have to do is tell me who is older and um, I'll hide these here. Come on, then. Right. I mean, you're playing against each other, though, I'd just like to say that. Okay. So, is it right. Bring it like a buzzer? No buzzer. We just we take the answers and we'll work out who wins or loses or draws, which would be very British. Right. Okay. We're off. W.G. Grace or Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh, I don't know any of these. Well, I know you know, Grace, but I don't know. You know who Arthur Conan Doyle is. Who? He wrote stuff. Sherlock Holmes. He, he created Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Um, I think Grace. he's older. Who? Arthur Conan Doyle. You're going Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh, Sarah? W.G. Grace, yeah. The answer is W.G. Grace. Oh, <laughs> yes. She so didn't know who he was. Doesn't matter. Pot luck, pot luck, right. Yeah, W.G. Grace, born in 1848. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle, born in 1859. Um, Conan Doyle was a big cricket fan and player and named his detective after an opponent he once played against, Sherlock Holmes. There you go. Right. Number two, Richie Benno or Maggie Thatcher? <laughs> um, 
um, whoever Lizzie doesn't say. No, you go first. It's your turn to go first. Right, yep, dip. Who is older? Who's older? Thatcher. Uh, well, I think it's Thatcher too. <laughs> you should have gone first. No, no, you can go for the same person. Oh, well, I'll go Richie just to make You'll it go interesting. Richie. Well, Sarah moves into a two-minute oh, <laughs> Yeah, Maggie Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, um, Britain's first female PM, born in 1925. Richie Benno, 1930. So well done on that one. Right. Um, Going quite well here, Sarah. Right, the next one, Sachin Tendulkar or Leonardo DiCaprio? That's got to be Sachin, surely. Leonardo's about 12, isn't he? No, he's late, he's late, is he? Well, Sachin's over 40, isn't he? So, Leonardo, I'm going Sachin. Yeah, I'm sorry, I have to go agree, Sachin. You're both going Sachin? Correct. Yes, well, well done, yeah. It doesn't help me though, does it? Not really, no. <laughs> There's a year in it. Um, really? Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio is 39. Um, yeah, it's already late 30s. Yeah. 40, so there you go. Thank you for letting me know how old Sachin was. Oh, did you? Not that. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was 40. <laughs> um, the next one Don Bradman or Mother Teresa? Who is older? Who was born first? Oh, God. <laughs> um, The Teresa dog. Oh, you f- you Bradman, go on then. So you go Bradman, Mother That's Teresa right. for Lizzie. The correct answer is Donald Bradman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure you said earlier. I don't <laughs> There's two years in it. I'm getting up. I'm getting absolutely hammered here. And to finish off with, I mean, Sarah's four one up at this point, but we'll we'll play it to the to the bitter end. Why not? Um, England women's captain Charlotte Edwards or American rapper Flo Rida? I've never heard of Flo Rida. Does that really age me and make me uncool? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I just don't know how old Flo Rida is. I'm going to say Lottie. <laughs> That's not saying she's going to be with really no. anyway. <laughs> um, Go on then, I'll go Flo Rida. Yeah. Yep, the answer is Flo Rider. <laughs> I've been annihilated uh, Flo, by one day. Yeah, His one bir- day. yeah. There's a day right. between them, so oh. that's it. His birthday is 16th of December, and Lottie's is the 17th. 17th yeah. So there you go. I've had a men's tour of Australia there. Haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> so the final score is Sarah Taylor five, Lizzie Ammon one. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for um, coming on the first. Lord's podcast quiz and well played both of you um, just like to finish off by asking um, what's on the horizon sort of for the next few weeks Lizzie what have you got on uh, well in the next few weeks uh, we've got um, a West Indies tour and then a World T20 two World T20s to cover and then we're straight into county cricket on April the 6th and there's a, the pre-county season in Abu Dhabi there's England under 19s, which is I think will be a fascinating tournament. I love watching the under 19s because it's a real chance to think well, I might see him in a few years. Um, so yeah, there's lots. The cricket never stops, does it? And then of course <laughs> tomorrow we've got South Africa Australia Test Series stars, which will be a cracking series. So a lot to write about. Lots, yeah. <laughs> and Sarah, what, what have you got on in the next few weeks? A lot of training. Lots yeah, of training. Um, a bit That's more rest and then a lot of training ready for, for Bangladesh. Absolutely. Well. Thanks for both coming on the Lord's Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
very much. Winning, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Enjoyed the quiz particularly. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, many thanks for tuning in and thanks again to our guests today, Sarah Taylor and Lizzie Ammon. Uh, we'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. We're at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.